Welcome to the Boom Boom Performance Podcast, your resource for science-based training and nutrition, data-driven coaching, and education-focused content. Before we get into this podcast, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to listen and learn with me so that you can apply what you are about to learn, take my strategies, use these tools, and finally have some serious methods to see sustainable success with your physique, your mind, and your life. This podcast was built on the foundation of applied education, and I'm excited for you to be here so you can have that experience with me. Now, without any further ado, let's get on to the show. Today, we are going to talk about my favorite supplement. One of my favorite supplements. I don't really have a favorite supplement. I have a couple favorite supplements. I love creatine monohydrate and that's what we're going to talk about today but i also love fish oil quite a bit um i'm a big fan of berberin i'm a big fan of whey protein because it's convenient um and i have a few more quote-unquote favorites you could say so i guess i don't really have a number one but creatine monohydrate is without a doubt up there and today i'm going to tell you everything you need to know about creatine the reason I wanted to record this podcast, a um, few reasons. Number one is because I get asked about creatine all the time. Um, I'm a female. Can I take creatine? My goal is fat loss. Can I take creatine? Should my kids take creatine? Um, I'm over the age of 50. Should I take creatine? Uh, there's, I mean, I, I literally get questions all the time. And it, it's funny because 99.9% of the time when somebody asks me, should I take creatine? I say yes. <laughs> like there's really rarely any circumstances which you shouldn't take creatine. There's so many great benefits to it. Um, and we're going to dive into a lot of those today. So I'm not going to spoil it. But the point is, is creatine is one of the most well-studied and researched supplements there is. So because of that, and because I'm a big fan of creatine, and because this podcast is actually sponsored by Creapure, we are going to dive into everything you need to know about creatine. So this is going to be kind of like your evidence-based guide to creatine, if you will. So before we dive into the what, why, how, I, I do want to give some context into my relationship with Creapure and why I recommend them. So Creapure, I'm actually going to quote this from their website. Creapure is the brand name for pure creatine monohydrate produced by Allchems, Allschem. Trostberg GmbH in Germany. So that's a German lab. We guarantee high quality products such as Creapure, which is exclusively produced at our specially designed production facility in Trostberg, Germany. Creapure is the most widely studied form of creatine and is proven to be safe and effective. When purchasing Creapure supplements, you can be assured that you are using one of the best and most reliable products on the market. The reason I wanted to give that little tiny complex is because they literally have a facility, a laboratory that only produces creatine. It's specially designed to produce creatine. They don't do anything but produce creepure. So nothing against uh, Optimum Nutrition or any other Garden of Life. There's a lot of different supplement companies that I love that create all kinds of supplements. But Creapure literally only creates creatine monohydrate. And they don't even sell to consumers. They sell to supplement products. So Optimum Nutrition, for example, is a brand that uses Creapure. Um, I'm going to give you guys some uh, some good uh, companies to go with uh, so you know which ones to buy. But 
the point is, is, is creatine monohydrate from creapure is going to be the most purest form that you could possibly get. And it's actually used in most of the studies. So most of the studies we see done on creatine monohydrate, they get their creatine from creapure and oftentimes for free, because I've actually talked to some of the, the head honchos at creapure about this. And that's one of the things that makes them really cool is they're donating and supplying creatine monohydrate to these researchers. And they were one of the original creatine monohydrate creators, which is why Creapure is a uh, trademarked name. It's a copyright name. You have to be literally associated and supplied with that company, which means it's pure. Um, so in, in fact, since we're, we're on this topic, I'm just going to dive into their partners. These specific products, and some of these are uh, in the United States, some of them are in Europe, some of them in Canada. So there's a lot here, but these ones actually use Creapure. So you can find a Creapure green logo on their bottle and that's how you know it is a good product so we got en performance we got fairing sports nutrition nutri pure uh sponsor sport food crea rock so rock and nutrition uh nu3 even build nutrition body attack sports nutrition synergy ag biomenta uh mlo nutrition there's some supplements i've never even heard of growth supplements syntech gtn sp all Sports, Steel Fit, Genius Nutrition, Essential Nutrition, Food Spring, Fitness, Finest Fitness Food, My Protein, I've heard of that one, Vitabolic, Nutri Vegan Sports, TNT, uh, let's see, AO Labs, AO, Dimatized Nutrition, uh, which is some, a company that I actually really do like and recommend, DUX Nutrition Lab, Muscle Feast, which is one that I often recommend, Mega Max, uh, Women's Best, Athetica, Multipower, Lee Sport, and Vitafor. Wow, so maybe uh, Optimum Nutrition is no longer using them. Um, but this is a huge list. I'm going to link this in the description of this podcast so you can literally click the link. You can see uh, which supplements are actually using, which brands are actually using Creepier. And I really, really, really do suggest you only go with those brands. I promise you, you are not going to regret it. It's the most pure. It is what is studied. So when you go to these research studies and you read stuff on creatine and you hear all the shit I'm about to break down for you, it's all based on creatine for the most part. Now, that being said, in general, creatine monohydrate is one of the most well-researched supplements in the world, literally. Not only from a how many times it's been studied standpoint, but a winning track record perspective, if you will. At the end of the day, in all these studies, the point is it always comes out on top. And we're really yet to find a research study that shows any negative side effects, drawbacks, or claims that it doesn't work as we believe it does. Because at the end of the day, it really does. It, it works by increasing recovery, performance, and even cognition, so cognitive function. And we're going to dive into all these things step by step. But once again, I just want to lay the foundation, the groundwork, the, the statement for you that creatine monohydrate is very well researched. On top, like besides creatine, I would say caffeine is probably the most well-researched performance enhancement drug um, or supplement. So both of those two, caffeine and creatine, are kind of tied at the top. I don't know which one has been studied more, uh, but both of them have been studied extensively and really never shown too many negative side effects. I would say caffeine has its fair share of negative side effects when taken in too high of quantity, uh, but creatine doesn't really. So let's kind of dive into it. So the first one we're going to talk about is performance, performance and recovery specifically, and we're going to kind of break down each benefit one by one. The reason performance is increased. Um, why it occurs 
is by creatine helping us produce ATP and rapidly producing better energy during intense activity or exercise. So ATP is literally what creates energy and, and creatine helps that process go down. So here's kind of the breakdown of why this happens. We store creatine in our muscles, which is taken in via meat, typically through natural, um, if we look at it from a natural perspective, from meat consumption. Um, and of course, in higher and more concentrated dosages when we actually supplement it. There is a phosphate group that can easily attach to creatine, which helps form phosphocreatine, clever name, which is also stored in our muscle cells. When we finally put our muscles to work during a training session, the muscles use what's called adenosine triphosphate. This is ATP. So adenosine triphosphate, I'm not going to use that word too much in this podcast because I'll just refer to it as ATP, but that is literally what ATP is. The process of actually utilizing this stored ATP requires removing a phosphate group, which turns ATP into ADP or adenosine triphosphate into adenosine diphosphate, aka 2-phosphate. So it's pretty pretty clever, pretty obvious. Adenosine triphosphate, tri being three, there's three phosphates, and adenosine diphosphate being two, there's two phosphates. But this process of utilizing this ATP to give us performance enhancement requires removing one of these phosphate groups, which turns that ATP into ADP. So it turns it from three triphosphates, um, sorry, three phosphates to two phosphates. Phosphocreatine kind of swoops in, it immediately comes in to donate its own phosphate group, replacing the missing phosphate, and ADP becomes ATP once again. So it goes from two back to three. Now we are ready to do more work within our training because as we know, ATP is the three phosphate group that actually allows energy and immediate rapid effort or force production to occur, period. ATP is that fuel source. So now we're ready to do more work because ADP finally became ATP. So this entire cycle happens very rapidly when we have tapped out creatine stores in our body essentially, which allows more phosphocreatine production to occur and more replenishment of ATP, adenosine triphosphate, to also occur on a regular basis. The more often we have replaced this ATP and make sure we have readily available stores of it, the more likely we are able to perform at high intensities more rapidly essentially. The reason this is so important is because ATP is what allows our body to push hard, fast, and rapidly into training, as I've previously mentioned. The first 7 to 12 seconds is kind of what we have seen or what people tend to talk about of explosive effort with our training is fueled by ATP. Once again, this basically means that getting started is ATP, right? The first 7 to 12 seconds of explosive effort within our training, those first reps Um, of getting into the mode, getting into the grind, getting into the hard effort. It's fueled by ATP. But even beyond that, the intense effort period is fueled and aided by ATP. Not to mention there is a momentum factor after we've begun that intense exercise. So the less able we are to readily replenish, really, and continually produce this ATP, the less likely we are able to train hard. That's the number one benefit and most known positive effect of creatine. Uh, But there is more in regards to performance, which we're going to get to. But just to summarize that first piece, our body needs to produce ATP. There's a lot of different phosphate groups, and there is a different molecular process. There's an ATP production cycle that is going on in our body, but it needs creatine to aid that. 
Um, we're going to get into non-responders and why that may be. But essentially, we have creatine in our body. We consume creatine through food, but it may not be enough to sufficiently support this cycle of ATP production, which allows us to be explosive and work hard in our training. So that's the number one benefit. One of the other benefits of creatine is its ability to reduce fatigue accumulation during exercise. To not turn this into a full-blown science experiment or project, I'm going to try to break this down as simple as possible. During the process of ATP formation, in which the phosphate group is replaced by creatine phosphate, as I explained just a second ago, hydrogen ions are also consumed during this process. But during high-intensity training, hydrogen ions are released. So there's a difference here. Released being produced during high intensity, the hydrogen ions are being produced, um, consumed during this phosphate cycle, this ATP cycle formation, hydrogen ions are being consumed. So they're being taken away, essentially. The accumulation of these ions, which is happening during high intensity, again, hydrogen ions are being released during high intensity exercise, and the accumulation of these ions leads to acidosis, which is also associated with a fatigue accumulation. So as we accumulate more acid um, in our body, lactic acid, lactate, so on and so forth, this pro production of acidosis because um, the accumulation and releasing of these hydrogen ions during high-intensity exercise leads to this acidosis, that is associated with fatigue accumulation. Most of you guys are well aware of that and familiar with it from your own training. However, because these ions are consumed during the ATP cycle um, in the process of ATP formation, there may be the added benefit of hydrogen buffering, aka delayed fatigue, because of the creatine supplementation, which helps aid the ATP cycle to do its job. So what's really going on here is there's two kind of contradicting things happening. As we consume creatine, and creatine phosphate is uh, created, and it is aiding the ADP to become ATP on an immediate basis, aka we take creatine and we produce ATP. That's the easiest way to think of it. During that process, hydrogen ions are consumed. So we take them away. During high intensity exercise, we are creating them. Hydrogen ions are being released. This leads to acidosis, which leads to fatigue accumulation during our sets. When we consume creatine and we better aid that ATP cycle, there is an associated benefit of hydrogen buffering, which basically means delayed fatigue because creatine supplementation is helping ATP do its job. So now we have two huge benefits. First one being performance enhancement, the creation of ATP, and the second one being fatigue management literally during our training. There's one more benefit associated with uh, training and performance and so on and so forth, and that is literally just building muscle mass. Creatine increases water retention inside the muscle cell. This is because, just like carbs, creatine is osmolotic. This really just means that it draws water into the cell. Because it's drawing water into the cell, we are leaving the muscle cell more readily able to recover, stay hydrated, and actually continually perform efforts in the gym. But besides the direct effect of creatine helping build more muscle through performance enhancement, recovery, and this hydration of the muscle cell, which I want you guys to understand is different. So when you take creatine, you will probably gain weight. You will, quote unquote, retain water. But people always think that leads to bloat. People assume water retention is bad. However, if we are retaining water inside of our muscle cell, we are leaving our muscle cell healthier, more full, getting a better pump, and more easily hydrated and therefore able to perform. So water retention with from creatine is actually a positive thing. 
Um, it's just like carbs. When we reverse diet and we consume more carbs, we're going to retain water. However, those carbs most likely will also be stored in the muscle cell as stored glycogen to better fuel our training, and they pull in water with it. Um, so water retention isn't always a bad thing. Now, if you have too much salt, if you go drink, if you have a ton of stress and cortisol rises, those are negative associated water retentions, right? So there's different scenarios and we have to understand what those scenarios are. Now, going back to the point, besides the benefits, um, I'm going to kind of backtrack here, uh, because it's drawing in water, uh, we're able to recover and hydrate and perform better. But besides this direct effect of, of creatine literally helping us build muscle through first one, performance enhancement, second one, delayed fatigue, third one, hydration, which also leads to better recovery. Um, there's also some research that shows it directly improves muscle growth via myostatin, myogenic regulatory factors, insulin-like growth factor one, reactive oxygen species, and satellite cell activation. Did I lose you? <laughs> In simple terms, there is a hormonal response. <laughs> Let's just leave it at that. Uh, there is a hormonal response that inhibits and promotes specific hormones, aiding in better muscle protein synthesis and growth. And what I mean by inhibits and promotes is that it is stopping certain hormones from breaking down catabolic processes, or it is stopping certain hormones from preventing the anabolic processes, um, while it's also um, aiding or uh, promoting specific hormones to aid in better muscle protein synthesis and general muscle growth. This also means that there is a cell swelling effect to creatine, which helps build muscle in and of itself. Um, or you could think of it like getting a pump. So when we think of satellite cell, uh, metabolite accumulation, um, cell swelling, this is a process of muscle growth. This is one of the mechanisms, if you will, of muscle growth. And it's really just a scientific way of saying you get a pump. So when you take creatine, you get a better pump. <laughs> that, that's the kind of the gist of it. Um, we're not going to get too deep into non-responders. Um, but I do get asked about that quite a bit. So we are going to dive into that next. But I've, I've kind of given you guys a, a breakdown of why it's so beneficial for performance. And now we're going to talk about non-responders because I always get that. How do you know if you're a non-responder? Is there non-responders? Um, there, there has been some research done on this. Um, it's kind of inconclusive and back and forth. Um, and there's a lot of loopholes inside of it that make you wonder if there is any validity to it. I'll just leave it at that. Um, I would recommend checking out um, examine.com. I'll link examine. Um, in the show notes because they have some good info. Um, Stronger by Science has a really good uh, article um, uh, by Eric Trexler that is phenomenal. It's probably the biggest creatine article I've ever seen. Um, I read it a long time ago when it came out. I haven't read it in a while, but I assume it's just as updated as any new research would be. Uh, but back to the non-responders talk, the research done on this shows that somewhere essentially between 10 probably about 10% of people, but no more than 50%. So somewhere in between that 10 to 50% mark of people are potentially non-responders. And that's why it's hard to make it out as legit or not, because that's a big range. And 50% just seems very high based on the amount of research we have that shows benefit. If 50% of people were truly non-responders to creatine monohydrate, we would probably not see as many significant results saying and suggesting that creatine monohydrate is so beneficial in these studies, yet we do. Um, but however, being a non-responder, um, the more you dive into this, um, and this is actually something I took away from Eric Trexler's article, uh, it actually just means you have already have higher baselines of natural creatine being produced in your body. So in other words, you're really just genetically gifted with more creatine naturally 
um, or you assimilate it better from food, you don't really need to supplement in your diet. So the, the cool thing here is if you are a non-responder, you may just be saving money because you're genetically gifted and you don't need to supplement with it. Or you can just kind of cover your bases and supplement with anyway and just make sure that you are getting the benefit in case you are a responder. Because at the end of the day, a creatine is dirt cheap. That's one of the beauties about it. But the best way to test this is just cycle on and off to see if you feel or notice any differences, which can be seen by some water retention, some pumps in the gym, better recovery, and or less soreness. So if you want to see if you are a non-responder, try cycling off creatine for a couple weeks, bring it back on, and see what happens. Do you retain water? And what I mean by retain water is you shouldn't look watery in the mirror, especially not if you're taking creapure but your scale will probably weigh a little bit more. You'll probably get better pumps in the gym because you have more hydration. Um, you won't feel dehydrated. You will have better recovery. You will have better performance. You might be able to squeeze out an extra rep um, and you'll have less soreness. Um, I know that I'm a responder because um, I ran out of creatine and uh, when Creepier, because Creepier sends me creatine, they had an issue with the package and it got sent back to them. And when a huge box of creatine gets sent back to them and then they have to resend it and it's coming from Germany, it takes a little bit. So I ended up not taking creatine for about a week. Um, and then I got a big box and I didn't open the box for a few days. So it was like almost two full weeks without taking it. And as soon as I took it again, I gained a pound. The pumps were insane and I could easily feel a difference in my ability to recover. So I know that I'm a responder. Um, so yeah, now, there's more. <laughs> There's more benefits to creatine. The cognitive benefits, uh, like I mentioned at the beginning, there is some cognitive enhancement benefits when it comes to creatine. Um, these cognitive benefits of creatine come from an improvement in memory, cognitive decline, which may help prevent uh, Alzheimer's or other neurological diseases, um, and many, uh, and just a general mental fatigue that is accumulated when you're just trying to work all day or think all day. All things that help us day to day, really, inside of training and also our daily work life, because the brain actually has about 5% of the total body's creatine stores, um, which doesn't seem like much, but for the brain's requirements, it's critical for mental health and neurological health um, and development of your brain. It's, it's critical for your IQ, for your productivity, for your energy levels on a mental basis, so on and so forth. So 5% doesn't seem like much, but the fact is, is that the, the brain does rely on ATP for energy production as well, just like muscles. So creatine can be a very helpful supplement to ensure that your brain is firing on all cylinders. Um, and many people don't realize this, but the brain is one of our most metabolically active tissues and comes with a big burden of energy production and utilization. This makes sense too, if you think about it, like your brain is literally always on, meaning it's always in need of fuel versus the muscle, which is turned on and off when we decide it to. So at the end of the day, the brain needs creatine. Um, it runs on ATP and creatine has literally been shown in studies to affect many different things. And to summarize this kind of section of the podcast, I'm actually going to quote um, a researcher. A recent systematic review summarized the effects of creatine supplementation on cognitive function in healthy people. Results indicated that creatine improved performance on tests pertaining to short-term memory and intelligence slash reasoning fairly consistently. While some positive findings have been reported for other cognitive outcomes, such as long-term memory, spatial memory, response inhibition, reaction time, and mental fatigue, these outcomes are improved less consistently. So this just means that there is more significant results with short-term memory and intelligence reasoning slash fairly, uh, sorry, intelligence slash reasoning fairly consistently compared to these other long-term ones. 
Um, but what I would argue with that is that if you're taking creatine year round, those long-term effects are probably going to be more significant because you're avoiding neurological decline by taking regular creatine monohydrate. Um, the review also found that creatine supplementation was more likely to improve cognitive function in older adults compared to younger adults and in vegans and vegetarians compared to meat eaters. Um, this is obvious to me. Uh, creatine is found in meat. So if you are a vegan or a vegetarian and eating less meat, um, specifically beef and steak, you are probably consuming less creatine on a regular basis, um, which means that it's obviously going to be more effective in vegans and vegetarians. Um, older adults also have more likelihood and more commonplace uh, neurological declines, whether it's memory we're talking about or just cognition and productivity, energy, so on and so forth. Uh, older individuals are obviously more likely to have those issues. And because of that, obviously creatine is going to be more effective with those people. It's just like supplementing zinc to improve testosterone. It's more effective in those who have a decline in testosterone already. It's not a testosterone booster. It's a testosterone quote unquote fixer, <laughs> if you will. If you are deficient in zinc, it can have an effect on testosterone. But if you are not deficient in zinc, you're not replacing a deficiency, which is not going to lead to a significant increase in testosterone. So I hope that makes sense. Um, but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it is one of those things that has been proven time and time again to improve cognitive decline. It has been proved to enhance neurological development in the youth and middle age. So not just elderly, but even kids, it shows to improve their short-term reaction time, memory, IQ, and neurological development, which has been shown to help kids in school. So it's a really, really good supplement for your brain health as well. Um, let's talk about risks. There's a few last things I'm going to cover in this podcast. And one of them is the dangers of taking creatine or if there is any risks. Um, at the end of the day, there actually have been no known risks or dangers to taking creatine on a daily basis. Even within the youth, it has been shown to be helpful in physical and mental development. There's just no serious side effects. The one thing people tend to see, um, worry about or misunderstand is its effects on the kidneys. Creatine will increase levels of creatinine. Uh, in the body, which can be a marker to warn you of poor kidney health. However, this increase in creatinine isn't due to poor kidney function. It is simply due to more creatine being consumed in the diet, which is, this is backed by research. Even intense exercise or an increase in protein-based foods can cause a rise in creatinine, but neither of those have been proven to lead to kidney dysfunction either. In fact, they're health-promoting, so we need them. That's like saying exercise is bad for you. <laughs> Therefore, it is not something to worry about, um, and we shouldn't take the creatinine levels by face value, especially if you're consuming a high-protein diet, if you are exercising, or if you're taking creatine monohydrate. The only times you may want to be concerned is if you've had prior kidney issues, failure, dysfunction, or surgery. I have some clients that have had cre uh, kidney surgery, and those individuals aren't on a super high-protein diet. They aren't supplementing creatine, and they're in a different position. But those kidney dysfunctions in surgery wasn't a result of creatine. It was a result of having a kidney issue prior to supplementing with anything because they never supplemented with anything. So to conclude the potential side effects of which many people seem to be concerned about, which is crazy how some of these like muscle cramps, for example, when is weird because the muscle is going to be better recovered. So you're probably going to have better performance. Therefore, you're going to have less cramps, um, kidney issues, which I just explained. Dehydration is one that people worry about, which kind of is funny to me because you're retaining more water, which means you're probably going to be more hydration. And actually studies show that they have noticed less uh, cases of dehydration and less cases of cramping in athletes, college athletes supplementing with creatine. And I believe this was a study done on Stanford. I don't know if it was lacrosse or rowers or what, but I, I want to say it was Stanford, but I, I don't quote me on that. Um, 
Weight gain was another one. Uh, obviously not going to happen. And if it is weight, it's going to be good weight. It's going to be muscle, gastrointestinal stress, which has happened. And that's kind of like an individual response. Um, it's just like some people can't drink caffeine. Some people can't have dairy. Everybody has individual intolerances to things inside their gut. And, and creatine can be one of those, but you'll notice right away. If it is you, it's unfortunate. But I would suggest removing, and I'm going to touch on this here in a sec. I would suggest removing it from caffeine because sometimes that's what can actually cause it is the combination of caffeine and um, creatine, not just creatine. But I'm going to quote a research again. Creatine does not appear to induce kidney damage, liver damage, uh, rhabdomyolysis, dehydration, muscle cramping, or muscle strains in otherwise healthy individuals. And I wanted to quote a researcher because it's always best to quote somebody who is actually researching supplements when you're trying to make a case. Um, there is a possible conflict with creatine and caffeine, like I just mentioned, which I want to bring up real quick because, um, when they're being consumed together, people have seen issues and there's been studies that show that. Um, however, meta-analysis show, which if you don't know what a meta-analysis is, it takes a big pool of studies. So instead of us looking at one study for result, it takes 27 or 54 or hundreds of studies and puts them together and creates a result or a hypothesis based on many studies. Um, but again, however, even meta-analysis do show that it's pretty inconclusive and there are many arguments going both ways that essentially, excuse me, suggest we don't need to cut out caffeine for creatine to be effective. But we also know that some studies have shown creatine to be most effective when consumed post-workout with a combination of carbohydrates. So is this due to our insulin sensitivity post-workout being higher and carbs being pulled into the cell easier, allowing carb creatine to kind of go with it? Uh, is this due to muscle protein synthesis being uh, higher or spiked more greatly after training? Um, or is it due to the fact that caffeine is rarely consumed post-workout compared to pre and uh, pre-workout? And in the studies, individuals may very well have consumed caffeine pre-workout. Who knows? And we don't know if they were or not. But either way, we suggest it post-workout in a shake or with a meal that has carbohydrates, um, which is going to be separate from caffeine. It's likely going to just cover your bases. Again, it's kind of inconclusive as to whether caffeine has an effect not allowing creatine to be better utilized. However, we might as well just be safe separate the two, have it post-workout, consume it with carbs because post-workout with carbs has been shown to be more effective. It's just being safe. Um, the recommended dosage is what we're going to finish with. The recommended dosage for creatine monohydrate is going to be between 2.5 to 10 grams per day, which is a big range. Um, a common dose is 5 grams, which right in the middle, which is often recommended. Most supplements are that way, and we would recommend it too. 2.5 would be for the youth, in my opinion, um, or a very small individual, whereas 10 grams would be more likely for somebody who thinks they may be uh, a non-responder and or just has a lot of muscle mass um, in general. Uh, true dosing calculations are based on kilograms of body weight and are currently suggested at a minimal effective dose of 0.03 grams per kg per day, so per kilogram. Um, and this would be in a 180-pound individual, which is 82 kilograms, taking 2.5 grams per day. This is on the lower end, and I typically wouldn't recommend it um, because it's not likely as effective as a mid-range of like four to six grams per day, which is actually most common in supplements. You'll usually see either four or five grams per serving in a, in a creatine monohydrate supplement, and that's what I'd recommend. I mean, 2.5 would get you away with it, but at the end of the day, if, if you're 180 pounds, you're 160 pounds, 200 pounds. It's kind of one of those things where like, is all the creatine being absorbed? Who knows? Are you going to have any issues from doubling that and making it five? No. Um, are you going to possibly get more benefit? 
possibly. Why not? Right. And, and creatine is super cheap. So uh, what we're going to recommend is four to six grams per day, even on non-training days, because it's it's mostly about saturating your system, which is why cycling and loading isn't necessary. Studies show that if you load creatine at the beginning by doing ultra high doses of 15 to 25 grams per day for five to seven days and then backing off and doing a normal dose of five grams per day, for example, excuse me, for example, um, that is going to be more effective in short-term studies. But the reason it's going to be more effective is because, again, our body basically gets a saturation level. So we store creatine and it starts to work as our body has creatine stores in our body constantly. This means that the more creatine we have in our body currently, the better use it's going to have. But if we superdose it, 25 grams a day, we're going to have more creatine in our body, which means we're going to get saturation levels quicker, which means it's going to show more effective in a short-term three to eight-week study. For most people, it's, it's not necessary. You're going to get to that saturation level after a couple weeks anyway. So save your money. Just do five grams a day. And after a couple weeks, you'll be saturated. And you'll start getting the benefits of creatine monohydrate. Before I let you go, I just want to say thanks. I seriously appreciate you spending this last hour or so with me, educating yourself to get better results. It still humbles me to this day that people around the world literally have me in their headphones or their speakers just to learn. It's so empowering, and because of that, I have three quick things for you. The first one is a personal favor. Please leave me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. When you do this, not only does it help me learn and get better at making podcasts for you to get better results, but it helps us grow inside of iTunes, which allows us to invest more, again, to get you better results. The second thing, head over to boomboomformance.com slash sign dash up or click the link in the show notes to get your free copy of the Nutrition Hierarchy. This is everything you need to know about nutrition to change your body composition or performance inside of a manual. I take the leading evidence inside of research and all the principles, methods, and tools based on some of the top professionals in the industry, and I put them all in a book so you can learn more about your nutrition and get better results. The third thing, this is a personal invitation to shoot me a DM on Instagram or email me at cody at boomboomperformance.com. I will help you troubleshoot anything you need. This is literally an invitation to jump in my inbox and ask me anything you want and let me help you. All right, guys, that's all I got for you this time. I appreciate you being here and I'll see you next time.